0: InfoTrack, the weekly show with
1: information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting.
0: If you have kids, you may be concerned that teachers, Hollywood, and the boob tube have more influence over them than you do. But as InfoTrack's Roy Mackey reports, even in this day and age, parents still have the last word. Roy? Roy? Thanks, Chris. Our guest is Harvard psychologist Dr. Richard Weisbord. He's written a book called The Parents We Mean to Be, How Well-Intentioned Adults Undermine Children's Moral and Emotional Development. There's been a lot of discussion about what the greatest influences on a child are in today's culture, their peers, media influences like movies and video games, the education system, but the central premise of your book points in a different direction, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it does. You know, I think we have reason to be concerned about the media, certainly, and concerned consumer culture and about peers, although sometimes peer groups can be very positive for kids. You know, there's some peer groups that clearly are an undertow that are a negative influence on kids. But there's no question, I think, that the biggest influence on kids is us as parents. And, you know, I just don't want parents to avoid that fact or to shy away from that fact. There are a lot of influences on our kids' lives, but we have a big responsibility here to raise kids who are good people.
0: Where or maybe why did that thinking change? Because I think maybe a 100 years ago, the same thought would have applied, that it was the parents. But somehow we've changed the thinking over the years.
1: Yeah, I think the other thing that's changed is there's certainly more an influence now on genetics and biological contribution. And we have much more of a belief that temperament is really what determines how well our kids do. You know, in some ways, I think that the media and the popular culture stuff is so out there. It's so glaring. Some of it is so obviously bad for our kids that it's easy to point to, in a way. You know, it's easy to scapegoat those things. And again, I'm not saying those things are irrelevant. I think those things can be very damaging to our kids. But I don't think we should use it to let ourselves off the hook. And I think we have to continue to look hard and look compassionately at our own parenting.
0: Could you give us a couple of examples of ways that parents unintentionally undermine the development of their child?
1: Yeah. Again, the reason I'm focused on unintentionally is I think that we focus on a small number of troubled parents, but it's really all of us, absolutely including me, who um, sometimes can do things that are undermining to our kids. And the big thing is that I think that as parents, we tend to be very focused on our kids' happiness, on their achievements, on being close to our kids. I don't think we deliberately cultivate their morality in the same way. So I think the big thing is in terms of our priorities, happiness, achievement, closeness, really become more of our priorities than morality, and I think that needs to get reversed. Morality is obviously important for its own sake, but if our kids are good and caring and responsible, if they're able to tune in to other people and really take responsibility for other people, they're going to have better relationships their whole lives. They're going to be better friends. They're going to be better parents. They're going to be better grandparents, and they're not only going to be more moral, they're going to be happier in the end because they are going to have more gratifying relationships. So I think we have this backward, and I'm trying to get the pendulum to swing not too far back, but more toward focusing on our kids' morality and on their goodness.
0: Parents today are awfully concerned about their child's self-esteem. Is there a particular reason you think that parents feel that need to praise their child constantly now?
1: Well, you put your finger on it. I think the way the chain works is that if we praise our kids, they'll build self-esteem, and then they'll be happier and better people. People think that self-esteem is a root of morality, too. But there are a couple things that are wrong with this. You know, one is that, People with self-esteem are not necessarily moral. I mean, the greedy corporate executives that we're worried about now, they have high self-esteem, but they're not good people. And high school athletes who abuse their girlfriends, delinquents, bullies, they can all have high self-esteem. So high self-esteem is not the root of these virtues. It's not a root of goodness. I also think that the way the self develops or really develops strength over the long term isn't by being praised. You know, in fact, when I spend a lot of time with kids, what I see is if they're praised too much. Meaningful praise is great for real accomplishment. But one of the things you see is on playgrounds sometimes is the steady stream of praise. You know, I was watching a father play catch with his son, and every time he caught the ball, the father said, "Nice catch!" And every time he threw, he said, "Nice throw!" And if the child missed the ball, he said, "Nice try!" And you know, when you're doing the steady stream of praise. It doesn't build kids' self-esteem. They can become cynical about it. They can start to wonder, why are these adults trying to prop me up all the time? So it doesn't build self-esteem when it's too much. I think it, in fact, creates these kind of self-doubts in kids.
0: Well, you mentioned playing catch and baseball, that kind of thing. It seems like we see and hear more stories these days about parents flipping out at kids' sporting events. <laughs> uh, why do you think that's happening?
1: Well, you know, there's the problem of parents flipping out, and there's the problem of lots of parents who aren't flipping out, but aren't really acting constructively either, you know. This is something I've seen a lot in the sports fields. The dad who is peppering his child with instructions when he's in the batting cage, you know, when he can't possibly listen to this blizzard of instructions. And I'm guilty, too. There's certainly times where I've gotten too angry at a referee, or, you know, a, a lot of us get too wrapped up in these games. I don't know how different it is from earlier times? That's an interesting question. I mean, movies, books, films like Friday Night Lights are really, you know, these towns that are wrapped up in football. This has been going on for a long time, that a lot of adults have been wrapped up in these sports. I think we may hear about it more, and I do think that the extent to which adults are under stress and the extent to which, and this is one thing that is different, they're trying to micromanage their kids' lives, which is, you know, a relatively new phenomenon, the degree to which parents are so involved in their kids' lives that, you know, one of the ways they get too involved is they get too involved in their kids' sports.
0: And I would think that's also a way of transferring stress to the child.
1: Yeah, no, it is. It is stressful for kids. And, you know, I think as parents, we just have to be alert when we get to be too worked up at these events. There's a sports consultant named Greg Dale, and he he has this litmus test. He says, if you're a parent, ask your spouse if she or he is embarrassed to sit with you in the stands. And it turns out to be a pretty good litmus test. (laughs) You know, if you're spending family dinners talking about your kids' sports or if you're planning family vacations around your kids' sports, you know, those are reasons to be concerned. I remember, you know, one time when my son was playing baseball, he's probably 9 or 10 years old, beautiful Friday it's the ninth inning. Somebody hits the ball and he's going out to make the catch in the outfield. And I'm thinking, if he makes this catch, it's going to be a good weekend. If he doesn't make this catch, it's going to be a tough weekend. And, you know, it was a moment for me where I was thinking, I'm too wrapped up in this right now, and I've got to step back and think about what's going on here.
0: So are there some other warning signs that you can suggest for parents who are wondering if maybe they fit some of these problem profiles?
1: You really have to be attuned to your kid. And if you're the one who's, like, pushing kids to practice a lot, and if you're the ones who are coming to every practice and yelling out instructions, if you're the one who's trying to Saddle up to the coach and give instructions before and after the game in ways that are making your kid really uncomfortable. That's one sign. You know, it's important to check in with your kids about your participation in these various ways and whether it's making your kid uncomfortable or not. The other thing I just will say about this is that you know, we have this way of saying that sports is a game, but in a way, you know, it's not in real life. But in a way, because we're bringing all these conflicting feelings about it, we shouldn't just fluff it off by saying it's just a game. You know, it exists in some zone between real life and games. And I think that if we understand that it's in some ways more than a game for us, it can be the beginning of our understanding some of the feelings that we bring to these events.
0: Stepping back from sports, just talking about parenting in general, if you were to offer a parent just a couple of pieces of advice to wrap things up on how to become a more effective parent, what would you say?
1: Two things come to mind immediately. One is we have this reflex to say, all I want is for you to be happy about our kids. What about if we said, all I want is for you to be kind, or all I want is for you to be kind and happy? You know, William James used to say, there are only three important things in life, kindness, kindness, and kindness. And the second thing I will say is that rather than focusing on happiness, you know, we might do better to focus on our kids' maturity, You know, on their ability to take other people's perspectives, and their ability to manage difficult feelings, and their ability to learn from their mistakes and to be self-observing. Those are the qualities that are going to make them more moral in the end, but they're also the qualities that are going to make them happier in their end. They're going to be more competent. They're going to have better relationships.
0: Very good advice. Dr. Richard Weisbord, Harvard psychologist and author of a book called The Parents We Mean to Be. Do you have a website where folks can get more information?
1: I do. It's richardweisbord, dot com.
0: Well, thank you very much for joining us on InfoTrack. Thank you. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. Next, if you think most politicians are ripping you off, our next guest has a very different point of view. You won't want to miss it.
1: There's more InfoTrack coming up. Stay tuned.